to 25 and then 32 to the end and then just reflect on um, what the Lord may be saying to us in this season. And uh, if you're reading in the New International Version, if you do um, have a Bible handy, always um, uh, encourage folk to, uh, to find a passage in the Bible and read it along with me. Uh, but in the New International Version, uh, the heading is A Call to Persevere. And the writer to Hebrews writes as follows, follows, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathised with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. It's a passage with much to say to us, much to say to our brothers and sisters around the world. And it begins with a wonderful reminder of the privilege that we have as Christians. And it's a privilege that we have become so familiar with that perhaps we've lost sight a little bit of the privilege that we have as Christians, perhaps particularly in this last year where we've been spent so much time in, lock, in, in lockdown and so much of our worship has been restricted. Uh, we've not been able to gather together. We've missed uh, the joy of meeting together with brothers and sisters. Uh, my mother used to say to me uh, often when I was little, uh, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. Sometimes we've become so familiar with the the privilege that we have that we lose sight of it. What is it that the writer begins with as he wants to encourage the people that he's writing to? Brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Just picture the, uh, the temple in the Old Testament and right at the heart of the temple is the Holy of Holies where the very presence of God dwells. And only one person once a year is allowed to enter this holy presence. The high priest is allowed once a year on one day to enter to plead forgiveness for 
the sins of the nation. Because of Jesus, we have confidence to walk freely into the most holy place. Uh, when I was a child, I, I grew up just outside Brighton in Wooding Dean. And uh, when I was a kid, we would often spend um, uh, afternoons at the weekend at Stanmer Park. I've not been to Stanmer Park for years, but um, often we would go uh, when we were children. And one of my memories as a child of going to visit Stanmer Park was of uh, watching uh, as the cows, I don't know if there's still a dairy farm, there's a dairy farm in those days, as the cows were brought in to be milked. And I would stand as a kid watching the cows being milked. They'd kind of line up in their rows in the farmyard. And as a kid, I'd watch them and because they'd been you know, out um, eating grass all day and they were queuing up and you know, grass had gone in one end and stuff was coming out the other end. And uh, you can imagine on a hot, sunny day, the farmyard is buzzing with flies. And then literally right next door to the farmyard was a, a little cafe. And uh, having watched the cows for a little while, we'd go in and have, a, have a, an ice cream. And the flies that had been buzzing around in a farmyard would then be drawn by the lovely sweet smells of the sticky buns and the ice creams coming out of the cafe. And they would fly into the cafe and then become distracted they go in intending to land on a sticky bun or an ice cream, but then they would be mesmerised by the uh, soft purple glow of the insecticutor behind the counter. And they would give up their goal of indulging in sugar, and instead, I don't know what it is about the purple glow, but they love it. And too late, they would land and realise that this was a mistake. Because as soon as they landed on the insecticutor, there was a and they would die and drop into the tray below. And as a child, I would sit there fascinated, licking my ice cream, watching a succession of flies landing on the insecticutor and leading their, losing their lives. And it's not that the insecticutor had anything personal against flies. They just had a nature that was incompatible. It was not possible for a fly to land on the insecticutor and live. And yet, that's where they wanted to go. They loved this purple glow. That's where they wanted to be. The Bible says that God has placed eternity in our hearts. God has placed eternity in our hearts. There's nothing that our human hearts and souls long for more than union with, with God. It's, it's built into us. But the problem is because of our sinful natures, we can't approach God on our own and survive. We're like the flies landing on the insecticutor. Our natures are incompatible. Well, because of the blood of Jesus, that's all changed. Because of the blood of Jesus who died for on the cross, we can with confidence enter the most holy place we have our great priest over the house of god this our great high priest jesus who presents himself as the once and for all sacrifice what an astonishing privilege that we are able to share in day in and day out that's where we're able to live uh, the apostle john receives this beautiful vision of a, a picture of what that is like to enter the most holy place. We read about it in Revelation chapter 4, where he has this wonderful vision. He's called into the throne room of heaven, and this is what he sees. He says, Before me there was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it, and the one sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne, surrounding the throne, were
thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white, had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. It goes on, verse 8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings, was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Every other religious system in the world, one way or another, is working towards that kind of goal. Obey the rules, keep the law, obey the teaching, follow the example, do all of that, and maybe you'll reach your goal. Because of Jesus Christ, that goal of union with the divine is given to us as a gift. What an extraordinary privilege. What a thing worth dying for. We live in a secular culture that has no hope to offer, no life to offer. The only uh, kind of um, seeming attraction about secularism is that it allows us to live independently of God. And that's why it's such a pressure against the church. It allows us to put ourselves on the throne. But we have confidence, because of the blood of Jesus, to enter the most holy place. And the writer to Hebrews says there are a number of things that we should do as a consequence of that. There are five um, lettuces, uh, not the salad, but things that we should do. Five things that he says, because we have this confidence of being able to freely enter the most holy place, the very presence of God. That's where we dwell now if our trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not something we're looking forward to, something we enjoy now. Because of that, there are five things we should do. He says, number one, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. There's nothing to stop us drawing near to the presence of God. Nothing to stop us drawing near to the presence of God. How often do we hear that little voice saying to us, oh, well, you've, you've made a mistake, you've sinned, you've messed up, you can't go there anymore. God is displeased with you. And perhaps even, well, God is, God's punishing me because of something I did wrong. Well, the writer of the Hebrews says, no, because of the blood of Jesus, we have confidence to enter the most holy place. There's nothing to stop us drawing near. Perhaps this morning you're thinking, well, well, I know I'm a Christian, I know I'm following Jesus, but there's, there's, there's something keeping me away from the presence of God. I, I, know I've, I know I've displeased him, I know I've messed up, I know I've... I know I've sinned. Well, no, the writer of the Hebrews says, because Jesus has done all of this for us, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a sincere heart. Secondly, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. God never lets us down. God never breaks a promise. 
we can hold unswervingly to the hope we profess because our hope is certain and it's certain because of what Jesus has done for us. God is faithful. I hope that over the last year that's been something of your experience is experiencing the faithfulness of God in these most difficult of times because he never changes. He's always faithful. Um, Verse 24, as we begin to think about um, churches reopening, as we begin to think about life beyond the pandemic, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. How can we spur one another on towards love and good deeds? Let us not um, give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. It's been difficult during this last year um, to meet together. We've not been able to meet together physically. We've been able to meet uh, together online, which has its advantages and disadvantages. We need to keep meeting together in whatever way we can. And as things begin to open up, the challenge for, for some of us will be to make the effort to meet together once again. Um, For lots of people, it's going to take a while to regain that courage and confidence to meet together uh, together again physically. Some of us have lost our confidence. There's still a nervousness about meeting together. One of the glories of this last year is that because so uh, so much church has gone online, people have been able to connect in a way that they haven't before. People who are housebound have been able to share in worship in a way that they haven't before. But some of us have just enjoyed having a coffee and wearing our pyjamas on a Sunday morning. And for some of us, we're going to have to make that effort to put our clothes on and come to church once again. But it's so important that we do that. Uh, A year ago, the churches were closed. And God allowed that to happen. And I think one of the reasons that God allowed that to happen was in order for us to pause and to rethink and to reimagine what was most important and what our churches should be like. And I think one of the one of the uh, one of the things that we need to resist as we begin to come out of lockdown is just to think, breathe a big sigh of relief and say, oh, we can just go back to doing things the way that we did them before. I think maybe one of the reasons God paused the church was so that we wouldn't just go back to doing the way things things we did them before, but to reimagine, to capture a fresh vision of what God is wanting us to do now. And then he says this, and I think this is really significant. He says, do all of these things, you know, draw near to God, Uh, Meet together, hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, spur one another on. All the more as you see the day approaching. All the more as you see the day approaching. Are we living in a season where we should be doing these things all the more because the day approaching? What day? What's the day that we long for? What's the day that we're looking forward to? Well, it's the day of Christ's return. We know that Jesus is going to return. And the nearer we get to that, the more we should be focused on these things. And the question is, well, are we, is that day nearer 
than we might imagine. Of course, every day that we live is a day nearer to the day that Christ's returns, Christ returns. But are we nearer than we might think? Are the things that we see going on around us, are the things that we see going on in our world, signs to us that we should be doing these things all the more? Uh, we had, uh, I'm going to reference a reading that we had earlier in our service, a, a passage I think we've heard a lot about during this last year, and I want to focus on that just for a few moments. Uh, right as the Hebrew says, one of the things that we should do, because the doorway has been thrown open to the throne room of heaven, is to draw near to God. Draw near to God. And that's at the very heart of the, what the Lord said to Solomon at the consecration of the temple. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, uh, verse 14, the Lord says to Solomon, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. It's that thing of, of drawing near to God. That's what Solomon is encouraged. If my people will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. That's what it means to draw near to God. But the Lord also says to Solomon about the signs that he will see that are a prompt to do these things. And what is it he says in verse 13? When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, then this is what you need to do. Uh, well, friends, uh, I would suggest that in the last three or four years, these signs have been all over the news. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine was in Australia fighting bushfires that were out of control. In the same year, there were forest fires in California, bigger than ever before, that were out of control. A couple, two, three years ago, uh, in, it was in the news that the sub-Saharan drought meant that Cape Town was within two weeks of running out of fresh water. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land. In 2018, the biggest plague of locusts began, biggest plague for at least a century possibly in history, began in East Africa, spread across the Horn of Africa, spread across the Gulf into Pakistan. Dozens of countries have had millions of tons of crops devoured by locusts or send a plague among my people. Well, I don't really say anything about that. That's obvious. These things are happening. And the Lord says, when you see these things happening, this is what you should do. Humble yourself, pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways. If your house is on fire and the fire alarms go off, you know you need to do something. Well, the Lord says the fire alarms are going off. You need to do something. And as a church, it's our responsibility, it's our commission to preach the whole gospel, to say that our house is burning down. We need to do something. We've, as a society, we have turned from God. We have rejected God's ways. And the signs of that are all around us. And the message that as a church we need to proclaim to our nation is, yes, God loves you. Yes, God is for you. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. But we are rebels who need to lay down our arms. 
We need to humble ourselves. We need to take ourselves off the throne and put Jesus back on the throne. We need to pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. It's a great sadness. In some ways that a year ago or just over a year ago when the first uh, lockdown was announced, that the message that didn't come from all the churches loud and clear was that this was a moment for repentance, a moment to turn back to God. A moment to seek his face. Repentance is one of the greatest gifts that God has given to us. Paul says in Romans chapter 4, it is because of God's, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. God is kind in challenging us to turn back to him. God is calling us to draw near. But in the context of living our lives in a world, it puts us in a very difficult position. The writer of the Hebrews goes on, he reminds uh, those who are followers of Jesus who are suffering such difficulties. He says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light. When you first came to faith, when you first experienced the joy of forgiveness, the joy of knowing God's love, the joy of knowing forgiveness. When you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. If we choose to follow Jesus, we will find ourselves in a great contest that will result in suffering one way or another it's like uh, we um, it's like driving the wrong way down a motorway following Jesus immediately puts you in conflict with a world that has rejected God's ways has rejected the Lord Jesus Christ suffering comes with the territory You stood your ground in a great contest. Are we standing our ground in a great contest in which we find ourselves? Our experience will be one of two things. Sometimes you are publicly exposed to insult and persecution. Some of our brothers and sisters around the world, that's their 24-7 reality of insult and persecution, arrest, death, churches being closed, church leaders being arrested, simply for following Jesus Christ. That's their experience. Our experience mostly at the moment is that we are able to stand side by side with those who are so treated, to sympathise with those who are in prison. Is that what we're remembering to do in these days for our brothers and sisters who are so persecuted? Are we standing side by side, knowing that one day... We may need our brothers and sisters to stand side by side because we will be being insulted and persecuted more than we are at the moment. Following the Lord Jesus is costly and it won't get any easier the nearer we get to the return of Christ. Because the nearer we get to the return of Christ, the more Satan will oppose all of God's ways. The more a secular culture will rise up against the church. But why? Why do we do this? Why are Christians prepared to suffer in this way? Why are our brothers and sisters around the world prepared to lose their lives? Why? Because as the writer of the Hebrews reminds the Christians he's writing to, you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. We already are enjoying eternity if our trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive 
what he has promised. You will receive what he has promised. Finally, he says, we're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Following Jesus has never been easy. Following Jesus, wherever we live, is becoming more difficult. It is becoming more costly. But it's worth it because God has given us through the Lord Jesus Christ the most wonderful privilege of being able to enter with confidence the most holy place because we've been given a righteousness that we did not earn. We've been given a gift that we did not deserve. It's the greatest gift the world has ever been given and our responsibility as Christians is to pass that good news on to others. So there's great encouragement in this passage, but there's also great challenge and a challenge for us and a challenge for the church as we begin to emerge out of lockdown as restrictions are eased. And the challenge is simply this. It is to hold unswervingly to the hope that we have. How does God want to build his church in these coming days? How does God want us to encourage one another and strengthen one another how is God calling you to be involved in building the church and are you ready for your following of Jesus to become more costly to be tested in this great contest that we are invited into let's just take a few moments before we come to our uh, our final um, song this morning which is a hymn inviting God to Um, send revival to send revival upon us to send revival upon the church so often we pray and long for revival well revival needs to begin with individual hearts it needs to begin with us are we willing in these days to make a fresh sacrifice of our lives in God's service whatever it may cost Uh, let's take a few moments as we um, as we pray Take this opportunity to recommit ourselves to following Jesus Christ. Recommit ourselves to praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. Remembering them in our prayers. Being aware of their suffering. Knowing that one day their suffering might be our suffering. Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're with us this morning. Wherever we are watching, you are with us. And Holy Spirit, would you uh, speak to us this morning? Would you stir our hearts? Would you revive us in these days? What an extraordinary privilege we have to come boldly into that holy place of your presence because of the blood of Jesus. We bring our brokenness, our frailty, our sin. We bring it to the cross. And through the cross we walk into your holy presence. Holy Spirit, fill us. Anoint us afresh. Empower us in these days. Use us as you will. Build your church.
Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your glory. We welcome you. We surrender to you. We surrender to you. All that we are, all that we would be. We declare that you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come, Holy Spirit, and have your way with us in these days. continue in prayer and worship as we listen to our um, closing song. Amen.